everyone, welcome to the Others Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Penny. As usual, been away for a while, far too long, but back again. Back with a new guest this time. Uh, I think previous episodes, it's been recurring guests, but a new guest. Um, currently residing in the country close to my heart, so that I very, I was going to say very much miss. Don't miss all that much, but <laughs> kind of miss a little bit. Uh, Jerome Arab, how you doing, man? Hey, how, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We were just chatting before we started recording about our uh, complaints about our respective weathers. Um, <laughs> Jerome telling me, obviously, um, originally from uh, from Africa. So obviously, you know, the UK weather is a little bit different to what he's you know used to. And then I'm sat here and it's, you know, minus 15 and there's about a foot of snow outside again, just when we thought we were getting to spring. <laughs> yeah, I'm not coming to Finland anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was going to say, anyone's always welcome out here, but uh, yeah, it's uh, nice to visit, not always quite so nice to stay any longer. And and if any Finnish people are listening, I'm, I'm saying that sarcastically and facetiously. It's a lovely place. I have sounds, no complaints. It sounds beautiful. I mean, I love this now. <laughs> it's, yeah, like I said, it takes a bit of getting used to, but it's all right. <laughs> um, right, so let's crack on with our track for this week. Um, and we have got, just looking at my notes and my autocorrect has uh, corrected it incorrectly for me, and it's Finns get loose, <laughs> which would be apt for me being here, but there ain't that many Finnish people getting loose, I don't think, not that kind of country. But we are talking about Finna get loose. Yep. Um, obviously, p- at this point, he was yet again Puff Daddy, Puff Daddy and the Family, featuring Pharrell, uh, produced by... Pharrell, um, with the, the the shouting and annoyance and direction of, of Puff Daddy or Diddy or whatever <laughs> he wants to, to go by nowadays. What do we call him now? Do, do you know? I'm sure, Diddy I'm back sure, to, I think it's Diddy, yeah. It's Diddy again. Back to, you know, I can never really keep up. <laughs> let's, go for, let's go for Diddy for now then. Um, so we'll get the, the facts out of the way first. Yep. So. Um, this was from, as I say, Puff Daddy and the Family's No Way Out 2 album uh, from 2015. Different sources say different things. Somewhere told me this was the first release from the album. Somewhere else said it was the third release from the album. So I've got no idea. Yeah. Uh, but released on the 28th of June 2015. Um, didn't really do much in terms of charting. It got to 15 on the US bubbling under Hot 100 singles in one of these random um, charts. And then 44 on the US Hot R&B slash Hip Hop Songs Billboard chart. Uh, In its first week, did 26,000 downloads and just under half a million streams. Not too bad. Uh, The video came out a couple of months later uh, on the 31st of August, directed by the legendary Hype Williams. Um, and currently has approximately four and a half million YouTube views. Now, we were going to discuss another song uh, tonight, which was, which one was it? Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe, that's the one. Uh, and you said to me, oh, very underrated song. And I said, yes, it is. Um, it's underrated, in fact, that I, I'd completely forgotten I'd recorded an episode about that track already. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to default. We had to go back to the list, check what was available, um, and I was quite glad you picked this one because it's been sat on the list for quite a while. But like Marilyn Monroe, I think it's 
another kind of quite underrated track. Yeah. I think for probably slightly different reasons. Um, but yeah, this is one of those ones that I do actually really enjoy listening to, really enjoy the video. It's not a, a classic Hype Williams video, um, but it's kind of of that time. There are certain you know, stylistic effects that remind me of um, all of the likes that he did with Kanye. Kanye, yeah. Probably yeah. a little bit before, maybe a year before that or around the same time, uh, roughly. Yeah. So um, the, the track in itself, I actually really like, really enjoy. I won't say it's um, it's a brilliantly written or produced track. It's not going to be you know one of your, your top 10 ones, but it is one of those tracks that's got, you know, really good energy and the sort of track that, you know, if it comes on in a club or a bar... It goes I'm, down. It goes down. You know, I'm too old to go to those places nowadays, so I've just got to imagine that in my head. Um, but I'm pretty sure I've heard it in a bar and or club at some point in the past. Um, and it's it's that kind of, yeah, real up-tempo, bouncy, slightly aggressive kind of track that, that would work really well in that kind of um, situation. So what's, uh, what's your take on the track? What were, your, what were your kind of initial thoughts and feelings about it? Firstly, when I when I first heard the track, um, I was actually watching um, MTV, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I thought the track was going to do a lot better than it it did do. I thought it was going to be one of the chart topping tracks, and because there was a bit of a push and a buzz behind it, you know, he, they got to perform it at a few award shows. You know, Chris Brown was dancing to it, and it just seemed like, "Oh, this is going to be another chapter," you know. But obviously it didn't do the numbers that we expected and stuff. I think um, as a track, as you say, I love it. I think it's a solid joint. Like it does it does what it needs to do. In terms of with relation to the culture as well, it felt like it was a lot of 90 samples. Um, so it was sampled from a sampled track, if that makes sense. That's what yeah. I, I was reading and I was like, when I heard that, the, the first sounds, it brought back the the new kids on the block. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember that. Um, the tra- the, uh, 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 oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, 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 the right stuff. Yeah. Was it called the right brought- stuff or something like that? Something yeah. like that. I show, think so. Show my age now, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was like, oh, that sounds like a new kids on the block kind of thing. And, and that's what drew me to the track is that association and the James Brown association as well. Like the way they perform the record is so James Brown, you know, yeah. it's, it's almost like the yelling and stuff is definitely, it's, you could see directly like, oh, so I, I looked into the samples straight away, um, especially when I knew this conversation was going to come up and I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. I'm going to share. So samples um, from Pterodome. Um, I don't know if you remember the track, Pterodome Empire or something like that there, but the, the, there were samples in that. From the Temptations, um, Jeffrey um, Sumner, uh, T. S. Monk, James Brown, and the t- like, like yeah, two Temptation songs, Cloud Nine, and Psychedelic Shack. So there's like a bunch of samples in the track that they sampled. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. oh okay, cool. It it just made sense. It was like it's the it's the it's it's hip hop. That's what this track is, you know. Yeah, and it and it's got those um. Yeah, when I listen, I haven't heard it in a while, so I watched it back earlier on, and obviously it's got the the interpolation of you know Welcome to the Terror Dome by Public Enemy yes, in it. Yes, and obviously yes, Public Enemy are referenced as well. Yeah. Um, and again, the way 
the way the kind of vocals are set up and the way they're delivered, to me, that's kind of quite Public Enemy-esque as well. Like you say, kind of quite 90s. It's got that kind of quite short to the point, aggressive kind of flow to parts of it as well. Um, Yeah, so it gave me that kind of, that vibe as well. New Kids on the Block didn't come to my mind. Public Enemy did though. That chanting, man, when you play it back, just listen to that chanting, like, that they got going. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is so familiar. And then it made sense. But it, it, and I know what you mean, it does kind of resemble that, but that, and I'm not going to try and do that, the word I'm looking at, vocal kind of thing, harmonization or whatever it is that's used, because I can't, my voice doesn't go like that. Um, but it, it's a sound that, you know, Pharrell is used in quite a lot of tracks. I can think of a couple of Rick Ross ones I think it's used in. Um, and there's, there's a few others dotted around where he uses that same kind of sound, um, that kind of background sort of chanting that you know repeats over and over again, um, and it works really really well in this track definitely. One thing I I kind of remembered this afternoon as I was watching it back was there's also a kind of you know a, a making of or behind the scenes video as well. Have you seen that at all? No, no. I'll actually go and check that out now. Yeah, tell yeah, me a bit so more about it. it. So it's only, uh, I think, three or four minutes long. Um, and it's Pharrell, Diddy in the studio, Diddy talking about kind of what he wants, you know, from the track. And what they're starting with, you know, the beat that Pharrell has to start with, almost, it just does not resemble this track whatsoever. It doesn't resemble the finished product whatsoever. And obviously it's, you know, it's early days. It's in its very, you know, basic form. They're putting sounds together, trying to work out the direction they want it to go in. But you wouldn't, if you listen to one, you listen to the other, you wouldn't necessarily think they were kind of linked. They're that kind of different. And what I kind of really like and what really interests me is obviously you hear all these stories over the years about, you know, how Diddy can be um, a challenge to work with. You know, he's quite demanding, let's say. He doesn't, I don't think he gets much sleep. Um and you can kind of, you get that vibe from him in the video of him kind of directing Pharrell, you know, what he wants to do, what he wants it to sound like. And it goes on for a little while and it's like, you can tell they're not really getting what they want from it. They want, yeah. And it cuts to a black screen and it's like day 49 and it cuts back to Pharrell in the same studio with Diddy still there. And, and you know, now obviously the track has evolved a bit more and... um it sounds a lot more like the finished product. And, you know, you see Diddy get very, very excited about it and, you know, kind of um, ranting and raving in that kind of style that he that he has when he's uh, a bit excited. And then you see them start to, you know, work on some of the vocals and piece that together as well. But, again, it's just, it's just an interesting video to kind of see how a oh, track yeah. can go from something so different to yeah. just... Something at the other end of the spectrum, almost, and how that kind of process evolves. And yeah, we we see Pharrell and videos of him in the studio where you know they can bang out a couple of tracks, you know, a day almost. Yeah. But this one where it kind of fades to black and it comes back and it's like day forty nine. You know, it's been you know Work. a long a, a long journey with um. And I can imagine it's that much more difficult when you got Diddy shouting in your uh, <laughs> in your left ear for forty nine days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that sometimes, and maybe that 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 might have been the downfall of the track is Diddy is also known to be a perfectionist. 
you know, and sometimes it takes away the essence of the whole point of capturing that moment. You know, you're meant to create a vibe in the studio and that's what you're trying to capture. So if the vibe isn't there, sometimes it plays out as well, you know. So I do think, yeah, I do think that when you when you put it that way, if if the track took them 50 days plus to, to, to make, yeah, more than likely it probably lost the essence of what, what it was meant to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that essence is probably there. I, th- I think it's just, um, as you say, you know, Diddy is is one of those producers, as many of them are, you know, who's known as a as a perfectionist and kind of constantly wants it tweaked and yeah. changed and updated, and yeah. um, it's kind of almost a a forever process. You know, same stories you hear with you know. With, Dr. Dre in the studio, which is why we can never get an album out with him. Almost, <laughs> it's you know, I've read, heard stories, you know, with the game and Snoop and people like that saying how, you know, there'll be a, a one-word ad lib that he will make you do fifty times. Yeah, and even then, it's still not good enough. <laughs> and I can imagine, I can imagine Diddy is kind of quite like that as well. Maybe not quite so much with the vocals, but you know, musically and in terms of the beat and everything, yeah. um, I can. I can very much imagine that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like when it comes to Neptune's production, like you would think that with certain people he would be a lot easier, but some people it's also just a control thing. So I don't know because Pharrell had before that point already had such a track record, like the whole of the '90s, pretty much he dominated. You know, like going into the 2000s. And Diddy kind of was there beginning of the 90s. So, like, if you were to ask me, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where you, as they say, it's all energy. So you could put two creatives in a room, but if the energy doesn't match. And even in the video, funny enough, you mentioned that. When you watch the video back, Pharrell doesn't look like he's vibing with Diddy. There, there are points where, yeah, they're kind of, so to go to the video, it's um a lot of it is kind of shot in what looks like you know an underground kind of club, Club, very small, confined, sweaty kind of area, um, and they're they're both kind of obviously on a stage, and they do, they don't look like as if they dislike each other, but they're kind of almost doing their own thing. Thing. Yeah, you know, I think you see Diddy put his arm around him or get a bit overexcited a few times, and you know grab hold of him and and stuff like that, but it doesn't look as if it's necessarily being reciprocated the other way no <laughs> not at all I, I wanted to put like yeah because it's funny that you talk about the, the, the back end of it because when you watch in the video that was actually one of the points i wanted to bring up i was like it just doesn't look like pharrell's in the video with diddy he's he's kind of just doing his thing he's kind of just performing if anything if i was hype williams i would have filmed pharrell performing and put pharrell on the projector you know, because, yeah, it just would have probably created more of a balance. Um, there was a few shots in this video where I was like, oh, that's so Hype Williams, like with the colors. Um, yeah. The whole black and white scope, I was like, maybe they overplayed it a few times in terms of the video because it does get a bit boring, you know. But, yeah, as you say, it is classic Hype Williams in the style, but I felt like, yeah, it could have done with more color. Yeah, and I think this is one of those areas in one of these years where hype, you know, trying to get away from his stereotypical hype Williams type videos and trying yeah. to 
do things a little bit differently and you know because he's known for his you know big kind of bold videos and lots of color lots of expression and and stuff like that and we see splashes of that in here um the colorful parts are extremely colorful but as yeah. you say there's 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 a lot of kind of you know monochrome black and white uh shot a lot of it's because it's in that kind of underground club type sort of scene a lot of it's kind of just very dark and which is obviously w- what they're trying to get over because of the setting but i get what you mean there as well but to your point a moment ago where you said um you thought maybe they should have just shot pharrell independently projected that or something what i noticed when i i saw a video of um the bad boy reunion tour that they did a few years back whenever it was and i think there was a documentary about it as well and funnily enough, when they perform, when Diddy performs that song, that is exactly what they do. So obviously Hype has got an individual just shot from the chest up of Pharrell, just stood on the spot looking at the camera, you know, rhyming his words, um, you know, moving about a little bit. And that is literally yeah. what they put on the screen behind Diddy at the concert. While Diddy's obviously running around and, you know, with his dancers and whatnot. Um, so he did actually do that as well. <laughs> yeah. It's the, you should be a video one. director. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the ideas already, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other conversation because I actually do do video direction. I've directed quite a few. <laughs> oh, well, there you go then, see? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I look at I looked at that video and as I say, I like, I like what the, they were trying to do. But I do feel like even with the dances, they didn't showcase the dance element as well as they could have. You know, it just they had a few silhouettes every now and then of a dancer kind of trying to do some sort of like a tut or something. And that was it. It was yeah. then cuts back to like them performing in their song. But as I say, the energy between the two wasn't wasn't gelling. So it never really sold the video. And I can understand why the video hasn't done what the other videos have done like when you said Marilyn Monroe I was still like yeah it's underrated but it's still kind of done the numbers whereas in you look at this one and it's like I still feel like the track is a solid track but yeah the visuals I feel probably in Hype Williams case I would say this was a miss for him this is one of those tracks where I think if you played this to some people even kind of Pharrell fans or you mention it they're like what track with Diddy yeah, a lot of people aren't even necessarily aware of this track. That's how kind of, you know, under the radar it went. And, and even nowadays, you know, I don't hear it get an awful lot of play anywhere. Um, again, not that I'm out <laughs> hanging around in bars and clubs and stuff these days, but, you know, there are some, you know, Neptune's tracks or just kind of, you know, hip-hop tracks in general that have that vibe where even years later you still hear them, whether it's on the radio or as a backing track on a, a TV show or what, whatever it may be. Whereas this one, yeah, at least, at least to me, it doesn't um, yeah, crop up no. that often, no. if, if at all, let's say, which is a shame. It is, it is. I mean, it's, it's something you could listen to at home, as we've said, but yeah, I don't, I don't see it getting played in clubs. I mean, even in terms of, I do think that it has the potential to, to creep up again, especially during this TikTok phase. Like it has the potential to yeah. creep up again, but I don't know. It would depend on the management and the people around um, Diddy, you know. 
And it's a good shout because I think if you go to um, if you go to YouTube and you actually search for this track, the vast majorities of the videos that are listed are people doing their own dances to the track. You know, there's the official video, there's the behind the scenes thing, there's the BET awards that you mentioned yeah. with um Chris with Brown, Chris yeah. Brown pratting around. Um, <laughs> people, I'm not a Chris Brown fan. Um, <laughs> and then. Yeah, every other video is, yeah, it's pretty much, you know, dance fan-made video. yeah. videos doing their own kind of dance moves and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's definitely um, that possibility. Maybe maybe you want to start the trend. No, I'm not a dancer anymore. Just give me a second, Steven. <laughs> Laptop was going to die. <laughs> uh, all right, no worries. There's always yeah. at least one technical issue during these recordings. <laughs> <laughs> and I can edit that out anyway. I probably won't, but I could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right about the trend. The trend, I think it definitely could could happen. I I wouldn't put it past, I mean, it, it popping off anytime soon. I think that, like, the Les Twins have done something, and they already, like, dance for Beyonce and stuff. And this was before they... I saw one of their videos, actually, yeah. yeah. This was before they were dancing for Beyonce. So if you ask me, it literally is a phone call away. If Diddy were to pick up his phone today and say, yo, I want to do a TikTok challenge for this track, it could base those numbers that we're looking at could hit a hundred mil in the next two months. I know that for a fact, regardless of the video being what it is, they could actually reshoot the, a new video with a bunch of dancers. And I would even, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't get hyped to direct it. I would, I would definitely look for someone else. And I'm not saying that because hype is, it has messed up the first one. I just think that at the same time, if somebody couldn't capture the essence of what, what it, it holds the first time around, like I would give it to someone else, you know? Yeah, for sure. Have a, a kind of fresh take on it almost. Yeah. Well, let's say, mate, it only need, only needs one person to, um, you know, get on TikTok and set that trend off and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave that with you. <laughs> All right, what else have we got about this track? That's most of my notes, to be honest. Um, one other note I had was, yeah, um, written by, well, credited as being written by Diddy Pharrell. And I think you pronounce it, is it Gizzle? You pronounce it? Yeah. Who is a writer signed to um, signed to Bad Boy. Um, I don't know a huge amount about her. Um, aside from the fact she's been involved in some, you know, some pretty big tracks, including this. Uh, and again, in the behind-the-scenes video, you see part of um, her process with, I think she's with Pharrell doing it, and they're kind of, you know, bouncing sounds and lines and words kind of off, off of each other a little bit. Um, so that's kind of quite cool to see that kind of insight, because I think if you, uh, again, going back to these kind of, you know, behind-the-scenes videos you see with Pharrell... Uh, especially you know the really big ones like you know, midnight hour and and stuff like that and you see how you know he's not sat there with a pad of paper and a pen you know writing lyrics you know you have the melody and he kind of just comes up with words around it, it on the spot essentially yeah. messes around with the words kind of there and then and um you know we see that in the behind the scenes video here as well um even when he's in the booth um you know recording he's still doing the same thing on this track um so that's kind of really interesting to see. And I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to all the, the videos and things we've, we've mentioned so people can go and watch them. Any other thoughts from yourself on this track, this video? Um, no, nah, I think like 
in terms of, as I say, the notes is the sampling that I, I looked at, the reason why I went back to thank you for looking at it, like actually bringing out the words because it was like I totally forgotten. But yeah, Public Enemy, you know, I was like, yeah, what's the track called again? <laughs> but yeah, is because it is one of the biggest hip hop tracks ever because that was just before sampling became an issue. You know, that's something that people don't, don't realize is Public Enemy got away with that track having so many samples. Um, and then the following year, um, if I can't check, let me just check my notes because I actually put this down because I was like, ah, yeah. So a ruling on sampling didn't come down until 1991 when Gilbert O'Sullivan won a case against Biz Markie for sampling um, Sullivan's Along, uh, Alone Again um, on Mackie's alone again basically so that was 91 so this 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 track that inspired this track to happen comes from a phrase where sampling was was still kind of like it was you didn't need to get no clearance and then yeah. the following year you had to clear things and it became so expensive and so tricky that it changed the whole course of hip-hop so just to keep that in mind that without this track the Public Enemy track, we would not have this Fina Get Loose track. And I love that they were trying their best, as you say, to not only pay tribute to, but also kind of like, yeah, cool. Like, this is what time it is. You know, it's hip hop, it's the culture. And that's what the dancing is all about. You know, like, as I say, the, the theme of it, you know, the underground vibe, them performing in the dungeon space kind of thing. That's, that's the culture, you know? So it was a great concept. I just feel execution was a little bit short that's all you may know or some someone else out there who's way smarter than me will will probably know but after that that ruling in the early 90s yeah would you then have to do you then have to go back and kind of retroactively get clearance for tracks that you sampled because obviously normally on this track you'd look at the credits and obviously you'd have public enemy listed as as kind of writers but we then have the people before them who the sample was originally taken from also listed as, as writers or credited in some way. Obviously, they're not on this track or not from what I could see anyway. Um, so I'm just wondering about, yeah, kind of retroactively um, clearing samples that hadn't previously been cleared. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the sampling, like, Diddy, I think it, he, Diddy's known for sampling, first, first and foremost. Like, the biggest track where he he made a loss, but it really kept his career going and pushed him in the direction that he's, he's in now is um, that every step I take, Sting track, is he, he never got clearance for that. So even if they don't list it, Sting gets paid that royalty check. So Diddy's not making any money off those tracks a lot of the time. And I think it's just deciding whether or not, like, you're gonna you want to make money from it so like they whether you clear it or not <laughs> cisco also went through a phase where he ended up having to pay um oh, i can't forget the i forgot the writer's name but um that living the vida loca he when he said that, oh yeah ricky martin did it originally yeah, yeah. with someone else yeah, yeah but the, the writer, person that co-wrote it originally yeah which is why yeah. he didn't get clearance i saw the same interview i think yeah, yeah. he said yeah. oh no i'm cool with them i don't need yeah. to get clearance yet yeah. i'll do it later and that messed they screwed that, him over that screwed 
the whole team over, not just him. That screwed everyone over because their, their royalty checks, their publishing checks went from looking crazy cool to like, like, oh, oh, what? Really? We're not getting paid anymore? You know, and that's what I mean is it's like <laughs> if someone samples my stuff, they don't have to credit me. Just know I'm taking my, I'm taking money. <laughs> like that, that's all I'm doing <laughs> is you're not getting paid for it. You, your name can be everywhere because I'm going to get paid. I'm fine with that. <laughs> and a slight, I would say that kind of slightly ties into this very last point that I've, um, note that I took, uh, where we're talking about sampling and retroactively after things like that, um, ties into Marvin Gaye. Um, do you, uh, I'll ask you, I'll see if you know, cause this is quite a sort of vague and random fact, um, how Marvin Gaye ties into this track. Obviously, we know Marvin Gaye because obviously Blurred Lines and uh, all that jazz, which we won't get into now because that's a whole other yeah. podcast. <laughs> but yeah, there is a very loose connection to Marvin Gaye here. Any idea what it might be? I, I, I can't pick this sample, to be honest with you. I heard, more clearly, I heard James Brown in in the in the execution to it. But like, even I'll as you... you I'll give you a clue. It's, it's not in the music. Really? Oh, the performance. I'll just tell you. No, I'll just tell you. We'll be here, we'll be here all night otherwise. Um, no, no, this is a very loose connection, I would say. <laughs> you know, get loose. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, the cover, if you look at the cover of the single, yeah, it's, um, it's a stylized extract from um, an Ernie Barnes painting from 1971 of some people dancing in like an underground club. Um, and the same painting was used for Marvin Gaye's album, um, I Want You. Oh, wow. There's an uninteresting fact that nobody <laughs> wanted. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. But yeah, really there cool. you go. And I, I saw, because I, I was yeah, researching this, and it said something along the lines of in the thing that I read. It said, oh, yeah, this, this image was also used for you know, Marvin Gaye's cover album. So it's very strange that, you know, um, they use this thing as, you know, Pharrell's recent issues with the the gay Marvin Gaye family um yeah but I, I wouldn't think Pharrell has anything to do with the the cover of the the CD single so especially when it's not his track he just features on it so um I was going to mark a little citation there and see if that that could be changed in somewhere I can't remember if it was on Genius or Wikipedia or somewhere I saw that comment <laughs> um but yeah anyway yeah so that's that's that track um I think we we both kind of agree there not yeah. the best in the world, but but slightly underrated and uh, definitely room for improvement, let's say. Definitely. <laughs> let's get on to some um, news from the last few months. Um, I've only got a few stories here because obviously there is far too much news that I've missed. Um, so we'll just pick some of the, the main ones. So speaking of uh, Blurred Lines and Robin Thicke, Robin Thicke has a new album out with, I think, a couple of tracks produced by... Pharrell. Uh, I think one had a video come out. Uh, is it Take Me Higher? I think the track was. Um, it was like a lyric video that came out. I can't say I'm a big Robin Thick fan. Um, I tend to not avoid most of his stuff, but I, I don't go seeking it out these days. Yeah. And just before we recorded, I thought I'd better go and look at what the last single was. Um, and I can't remember if it was one of the Pharrell ones off the album. But I started listening to it and I thought, this sounds like elevator music. Yeah. 
or it sound or it sounded like the sort of the sort of slightly bland record you'd expect to hear like in the background of a um party, like a hotel like, bar a party. or something yeah or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah i get like a cocktail party kind of yeah i get no yeah. no no i yeah i get that vibe i think robin thick messed up with his his wife because she she was the one who was writing a lot of the stuff that we were hearing like co-writing um I, it's not that i don't think he that he's talented i i think he's definitely up there in terms of like when he puts a record together he has the ability to move you but i do think this industry is full of that like where you forget the people that have built you up and you think oh well i'm here now so i can do anything i want to do and get away with it but yeah, I'm not. I don't know. Like I used to be a Robin Thicke fan, like this old early stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, Brand new Jones. Funny enough, we were talking about him because I was like looking into it and I was like, yeah, like Blurred Lines was probably the last track that I probably listened to by Robin Thicke. <laughs> yeah, same here. And again, yeah, some of his early stuffs were really good. And obviously, yeah, Wanna Love You Girl with Pharrell. Oh yeah, yeah. He's obviously a classic track. Uh, another Hype Williams video, funnily enough. Um, yeah. But yeah, his, his stuff nowadays, or you know, for, for the last kind of quite a few years, very um, very hit and miss. It's either pretty good, quite catchy, like Blurred Lines, for example, or to me it's just, you know, saccharine kind of ballads and just, you know, this kind of you know, background music almost. Nothing to it. Um, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, if you're a fan of Robin Thicke, you can go check out the album. I probably <laughs> won't be. <laughs> Next on the list, um, we I think we talked about this on the last episode. It was just happening, but now it has happened. Uh, Pharrell has opened a hotel with uh, David Groupman uh, down in Miami, Miami. Beach, the yeah. good the Good Time Hotel. Um, I think we saw shots of it. Back in December or January, some you know kind of concepts and some of the artwork and what you know parts of it were going to look like. It is now open. You can now book a room there if you want to spend uh, three hundred dollars a night or whatever the basic rooms are. Um, but it does look very nice. Have you had a look at this at all? Have you seen oh, any yeah. pictures? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, funny enough, when you were like, "Oh, we're going to talk about Pharrell," because the news came out two days ago. Yep. And I'd asked you. I'd asked you like, oh, yo, can I get on the podcast like a week ago nearly, you know? So it was like two days ago. I was like, oh, oh okay, cool. They're opening <laughs> up the hotel. Yeah. But I mean, if you can get to Miami because <laughs> of the times we're in. Exactly. It's a strange time to open a hotel <laughs> in a holiday hotspot like that. But I guess there are, I guess if you live in the US, you can still kind of travel, travel. somewhat. So yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Hopefully. I want to go out there like this year, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I've never been to Miami. Miami is definitely on my list. Um, and if I were to go out there, aside from it being you know, Pharrell related, it does look like a very nice hotel in a very nice location. Yeah. Um, it's not extortionately priced. Um, I did look earlier, you know, if you book for like one night, there are good discounts if you're I think at the moment, if you book for, I think I looked at like, you know, a long weekend there or something, you know, if you were you know, flying in or out of Miami, for example, um, I think you get like a, a fairly decent room. I think I looked for like, yeah, four nights or something. It was like a thousand dollars or something. So it's not too badly priced. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends what your budget is. Like 
<laughs> you know, but if you well, go yeah. to Miami as well, <laughs> yeah, you probably have the money to do so. Um, I would, I would say, like, even if you're gonna go and check it out, like for a day, you know, if you can't afford to stay in it, but I would, I would try and go and check out the hotel. You know, it looks it, like the sort of place nice. that would be nice just to hang out in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, if you if you're traveling, you're balling on a budget then at least, you know, swing by, hang out at the bar, have a drink. Drink. Um, <laughs> have a drink. Yeah, then you can also, obviously, Pharrell has, uh, what's it called now? Uh, Swan, Swan Miami, the restaurant as well. He has that. You can go there. Again, if you're, uh, if it's a bit out of your price range, you can always go and get one of his, uh, you know, Purple Rain, they're obviously now calling it cocktails that, you know, Noriega is now, I think, addicted to. So you can swing by there. So yeah, if you're if you're in Miami, you might might bump into Pharrell, seeing as he he seems to be out there permanently now. And you can also yeah dine in his establishment and sleep in his establishment as well. Winning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What else have we got? There've been various um, Adidas releases uh, over yeah. the last kind of few months. We've seen like, um, there's the Prime Knit Fine collection. There's been um, the black on black, all black. Um, Edition of two editions of that. There was an extra edition that came out. We also saw the Hue NMD Cream release, which for some reason, I have no idea why they did it with that Boston Dynamics robot dog thing at Pharrell's house in Miami. It was funny and it was interesting. You know, Fan was there, Pusher was there. Um, They had obviously other versions of the dog delivering them to other people in different places as well. I have no idea what the tie-in is there, what the link is. Um, it was slightly bizarre to watch, but, eh, you know. I, I did, like, Pharrell's always, it's kind of like that, that, that nerd thing that, like, that we talk about, like, tech stuff and, you know, it's things like, like, Will I Am would do something like that as well. And that's what I, I picked up on. I was like, oh, it's just you kind of, like, solidifying that, like you about that life you know <laughs> that type of thing so i was like yeah it's pretty you're right it's awkward it's odd but i was like oh okay it makes sense like, but it is interesting yeah and he's also i know i didn't have it in the the notes here but there was a story i think in january he's partnered with google to do um some more work with them in terms of i think it ties in with um uh what's it called the recent entrepreneurship thing that he was doing uh, Black Ambition. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it ties in with that, the work he's doing with Google. But yeah, it is that whole kind of, you know, tech sphere that he's in. And I know I'm calling that robot dog, you know, the Boston Dynamics robot dog. I don't think Boston Dynamics own it anymore. They got Google bought Boston Dynamics and Google sold Boston Dynamics. Then another company bought the rights to the, the IP, I think. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure who owns it now. Yeah. But I do know that they have been doing um, a lot of kind of, you know, publicity stuff over the last kind of, you know, six to 12 months with other YouTubers and artists and things like that. So I imagine when someone approaches Pharrell's team and says, hey, we've got one of those really weird, funky Boston dynamic robot dog things. He's like, yeah, yeah I that. <laughs> St- stick a shoebox on top of it. Off we go. That's one way to release a shoe. Um, so yes, anyway, back to the point. Um, yes, lots of um, Adidas releases, various Hue releases, um, none that I've, I can think of that I've copped recently. 
I probably have, and I just can't think of them. Um, but no sneakers, at least recently. Um, are you a fan of the kind of the, the hues and the work he's doing with Adidas and stuff like that? Well, in terms of Adidas, like it inspired me. Um, so I've got my own, my own label that I, I work on. And when I was looking at what Pharrell was doing, like a lot of my career has been shaped off people like Q-Tip, people like Pharrell, people like Will I Am. You know, like I look at what they do and I kind of go, okay, these are people that just expressing themselves in every shape, way, or form. Like they don't restrict themselves. So when I started to see the Adidas thing start to take off was when I started to see the football jerseys, I was like, this is it. Like they've managed to add cool, an element of like cool to football jerseys that wasn't there before. You know, before it was quite like, these are our colors. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And that's when I, it, it clicked. It was like, yeah. And then I looked into it. And when I found like, oh, Pharrell's behind a whole new selection. I was like, man, this guy just constantly outdoes himself, like creatively. You know, he's he's basically walked into the, the, the same domain as Virgil Abloh without even trying. And yeah, I think the, I think the Adidas stuff is like wicked. I think it's cool. Yeah, and the football shirts, I think we talked about it on the last podcast, they'd, they'd come out at some point just before that and we were talking about which ones we like, which ones we don't. Um, but to, to your point there, you know, the football shirts is really interesting because it's not just him going to Adidas saying, I want to work on this kind of capsule or even the other way around. You know, football shirts, only up until very recently do people get to um, work on football shirts in terms of collaborations yeah. because especially with, you know, the Premier League, um, Serie A, La Liga, etc., which most of these shirts, you know, relate to, Man United, Juventus, etc. That is part of, like, the club's identity and the value in those shirts and what they kind of represent and the amount of sales they get from them every year. Normally, a football club will say, no, you cannot touch our shirts. Yeah. We can do some other collaboration with some other merchandise, but the shirts don't we don't touch them. You know, yeah, we don't want it touched. Our sponsors don't want it touched. Adidas don't want it touched, or whoever make the shirts at that time for that team. Yeah. So to actually get access to like to some of Europe's biggest clubs, yeah, like you know, so like I said, it was Arsenal and Juventus and and stuff like United, that. Man United. Yeah. yeah, they're they're big clubs, and it's and obviously they're not wearing them on the pitch or anything, but the fact they're letting somebody play around with their kits and you know have their names on them as well and be associated with them just shows how much faith and you know credibility you know Pharrell brings to you know the work that he's doing at Adidas yeah. um yeah whether, whether you like the designs or not or the shoes or whatever or not it just shows kind of you know that um you know kind of leverage he has there and that kind of respect that not only Adidas have for him by letting by giving him you know essentially their biggest contract but also you know their partners and people they work with as well yeah yeah true uh, right, what else have we got? Um, Pharrell has made, well, quite a few appearances this year, actually, on various different bits and pieces. Um, a couple that I picked out, he was on Finding Your Roots over in the US. I think it's on is it CBS or something, something in like, the US. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, um, but I've seen reviews of it. They, you know, People saying it's actually quite um, interesting and insightful episode of we have that in the UK yeah. and in other places. It's not called Finding Your Roots. It's called something else, though, isn't it? Do you watch it in the UK? 
Um, is this the one? There was one to do with the singing with his uncle. No, so this is this is one where they kind of trace back like the family history. Ah, no. To see like I'm... you know where where your family originally came from and who was in the family. Yeah, and stuff like that. Called? I think yeah. I think every country has its own version basically. It, yeah. But yeah. In the US, yeah, it's finding your roots. Um, so yeah, still on my list to check out. I haven't done so yet, but um, I've heard good things about it. Also, he appeared on uh, Naomi Campbell's podcast. Everyone's got a fucking podcast now. He's got a Even podcast. Naomi Campbell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other tone the is other yes. Tone, is yeah. A, I have to say, I had a podcast before he had a podcast, and I also talked to him about podcasts before he had a podcast. Just saying. But anyway, yes, he appeared on uh, Naomi Campbell's podcast. I can't remember what the podcast is called. Um, again, I haven't listened to it properly. I've seen little clips here and there. One little insight that um, I quite liked, and I saw they, it was a clip shared on Facebook or somewhere or other, was um, his idea for Hollaback Girl, which he did with Gwen Stefani. There was obvious, there was um, the track with Fabulous yeah. back in the day, yeah. which was which was called My Mind Has Gone Blank. Anyway, the hook was, you know, he's on the train, is he, on the metro, and it's like, yeah. holler back young and whoop, whoop. It's a terrible version of the, of the hook there. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And then I think from what I remember of the story, he was with Naomi Campbell at some point. She was on the phone to somebody. She had obviously been hearing that track, and she had said to somebody, I'm not no holler back girl. Reference, kind of referencing the track that he'd had with Fabulous yeah. and, you know, that kind of what Hollaback Girl means. Um, and he took that and then obviously took that to Gwen Stefani and made the track Hollaback Girl. That was my very long roundabout way of just, yeah, telling a very short anecdote, but there you go. <laughs> um, so that is also on my list to listen to at some point soon. I'll get around to that at some point. What else have we got? Um, let's get on to some releases from BBC um, that we've had recently. There are way too many to mention, um, but a few I'm going to pick out. Uh, there's a new Beeline and Timberland yep. uh, hiking pack. Now, this should be, in theory, the sort of thing that I would be all over. Living in a country where it snows for six months of the year, where in the summer it's a very outdoorsy lifestyle, you would think I'd be into this kind of thing, but um, and, I, and I, yeah, I probably should be, but um, they are not for me. I, I understand, you know, modern fashion, uh, you know, changes and people people get older and it's aimed at a certain market and all that. I really don't like these shoes. I think, you know, they, they look like hiking shoes and it's they just not a look shoes. that I like. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I would like to have thought they are hiking shoes, but they would, you know, uh, modernize them a little bit, let's say. But they've stuck to the traditional hiking routes and they've just put a beeline tag on the side and made them a bit colorful. Yeah, Cortex. Yeah. So they're not for me. They're the sort of thing I'd really be in the market for if they just looked a little bit less old man-ish. And I know I am an old man saying that. But yeah, not for me. I know they sold out like immediately. They had, there were two or three of the you know, sneakers slash boots there were a few T-shirts and I think hoodies as well that went with them. I think everything's sold out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, then, you know, cool. I'm sure it looks great on you. But, yeah, not not for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I might get myself a pair when they <laughs> redo just for, for walking. <laughs> 
I did. I re-looked at them again today because I thought, like, oh, I want to mention them. And Still. there's kind of there's a, there's a boot that's kind of above the ankle, yeah. like a you know normal kind of Timberland. Yeah, the Cortex, which I'm really not a fan of. But the low one that looks a little bit more like a, sneaker. a normal kind of sneaker. Trails, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like, well, maybe I could get away with that, but <laughs> I don't know. If they, if they do a re-release, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I say this, and as I mentioned earlier, there's a foot of snow outside. It's minus 15 degrees out there, and I'm still walking around in a pair of Air Max 90 every day. So, you know, I've got three pairs of Timberlands brand new in the cupboard out here that I've never worn, so... You know. <laughs> anyway, um, BBC EU releases. EU going crazy again. Lots of really great releases recently. Um, today, as we record this, so it's what Tuesday the 9th of March, a new Space Camo umbrella today in collaboration with, I can't think of the brand, but they make kind of bespoke and very nice umbrellas. Um Umbrella's not normally a thing I would care about, but this umbrella looks really nice. Um, dark green on the outside with the Space Beach camo on the underside. Side, yeah. Looks beautiful. It is, you know, I think 300-something euros, so I was like, eh, maybe not. Um, it's a bit steep, again, rain, but it, it's stylish. <laughs> yeah, that, and the thing is we have to remember, I think I've mentioned this quite a few times on here, is you know, BBC EU is now, you know, the luxury arm of the brand, so... Everything's going to be expensive that comes from them, unfortunately. I have to say, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last podcast. They released an umbrella towards the end of last year, at the start of this year, which was all black, which had like a moon print underneath on the underside. I actually did buy that one. That was a slightly more affordable, I want to say 80 euros or something. Again, I unwrapped it. It went into the BBC closet, into the freezer. It's never come out since like everything else. Um, this one, I remember a few years back, they did a really nice one as well, BBC EU, uh, which had the Starfield pattern underneath it, which if anyone knows me, knows I'm a sucker for anything with the, the Starfield pattern on. Um, I didn't get one at the time, so if anyone ever sees one of those come up for sale anywhere, please let me know, because I probably will pay a stupid amount for one. <laughs> but anyway, if you're a fan of the, uh, the Space Beach camo, if you need an umbrella, you don't want to get wet, get over to the website now. Um, also recently, various um, rugs and mats. This is an area that BBC have seemed to have gone into, um, I think because a lot of people were making them, I was going to say bootleg versions, not bootleg versions, um, custom designs and, you know, <laughs> being being an entrepreneur and, you know, selling trademark. On, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spotting a gap in the market, let's say. And yeah, selling trademarked um, <laughs> brand logos. Merchandise. <laughs> which, yeah, which which I don't think BBC were particularly happy about. But they realised the popularity of them. They're now making lots of rugs and mats themselves. Um, but they are very, very nice. So again, BBC EU has a few of their own ones they're doing. Um, the US store has recently released a few different ones as well. They look really great. Again... I wish at the moment I was in a position to just go and buy a load of them. Um, they range, I think, in the US. Obviously, things are a little cheaper out there. They're not the, the luxury arm of the brand. So I think they were ranging from like 100 to $200 or something. Whereas over here in the EU, I think they were like, you know, most of them 250 to 350 or something like that. So 
a bit more pricey. But, you know, if you want something like that to make your, your house or your apartment look really good, then there's plenty out there still. Some still available. I think some were re-upped recently as well. So um, you can get onto the website and find those. Uh, we've got plenty of new 2021 season stuff as well including the re-release of um, some classic varsity jackets. So the very early uh, BBC red and white varsity. And then there's also the green and yellow or gold version as well. Again, this is coming from BBC EU. So those varsity jackets were pricey in the first place many years ago. They're even pricier now when they're being re-released. I can't remember the retail off the top of my head, but I think it's like five, 600, something like that. Um, but they do look gorgeous. I think there are still a few available. So if you want anything like that, go and get them. Um, we've also seen the the re-release, I kind of want to say, of the Space Cowboy on BBC EU. Now, the Space Cowboy was originally part of the Las Vegas Strip series in... I have some of these bits. I want to say 2005, maybe 2006, I think it came out originally. So this was... Um, Certain items that had, yeah, an image of the Las Vegas Strip, kind of all the neon signs, and it had the uh, kind of cowgirl as well, and the waitress, and also this, you know, they're now calling me a space cowboy. Um, so obviously now reusing some of these elements from, from you know, 15 odd years ago or so. But really nice design, looks cool, some items available. Uh, and also, I've noticed recently with uh, the EU and the US, and also um japan as well accessory crazy obviously the focus for a lot of the time has obviously been on clothing the sneakers etc now we're seeing just accessories yeah. from everyone yeah as we already mentioned you know the umbrella rugs mats and stuff like that cushions everyone has got cushions it's again i want i'm not saying this is a bad thing i want to buy every one of them i think the u.s just released the astronaut head recently four different colors there's um full astronaut there's the cone man there are then there's the bbc eu astronaut head as well the version over here that you can get um so yeah there are loads of kind of cushions loads of accessories at the moment again eu did um yeah they've done travel mugs recently keychains lanyards sculptures and then we've also yeah we've got yeah we've got the various sculptures and stuff i didn't have this on the in the notes but obviously the the recent like astro boy collaboration they did which Mental. looked amazing Mental. shout out to Mimi who was a uh, part of that project that looked really really good um, obviously all the masks and stuff as well now I know we don't really have any over in the EU but in the US um, there are probably you know 15 20 different variants of the different masks you can order um, so yes things are still you know Every coming on nicely at BBC they're still putting out loads of great stuff also a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily quite so, so great, great but... yeah but no a lot of it is i mean it's it's always been a brand like from its creation from its concept like just from concept that's always been bright you know it's kind of like, like that thing we we're talking about with hype williams you know it's like it is different and it is for an audience that really and truly isn't trying to fit in so even stuff that might feel a bit awkward for me to wear, I know that there's definitely someone out there that finds it dope. So just check out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of stuff I look at it and I think I could not rock that in a million <laughs> years. But then it sells out and I know there are people out there buying it, definitely. So, yeah. It's one of those things. And then to be fair, it's, it's, 
it's not aimed at my old ass as well. So, you know, <laughs> it was it was aimed at me when it first came out in the early 2000s. Not really anymore, though. I mean, I don't know. You like they look at the people with the money. <laughs> you got money. You'll buy a rug. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is they know me well. They know that I will. <laughs> I sit here surrounded by all my BBC stuff with a, a dedicated closet to it. Yes. Like the, the idiot I am. Yes. Anyway, I think that was all the news I had, all the notes I had. Let's get into you. <laughs> let's let's chat about you and what you're up to. Um, so obviously when you reached out, um, I was had a look at what you know you're working on at the moment and stuff like that, and because we didn't really know each other before that. Um, and I was going through uh, Apple Music this week and YouTube and and checking out some of your stuff. And obviously you mentioned to me that you've got you know a lot of a lot of your work, your music is, you know, kind of Pharrell or Neptune's kind of inspired. Um, so, yeah, so like I said to you earlier, there was some great stuff I came across. Obviously, I've not had a chance to listen to, to everything you've put out. Um, but, yeah, I've kind of flicked through some really good stuff. I said to you as well, you know, some really good artwork and visuals as well. Uh, you've got a YouTube full of everything and anything, <laughs> including how to cook chicken. <laughs> Which I sat there and watched. Hopefully you, you know, learned I mean, something. I, man, I, I miss Nando's with all my heart. So when you when you said chicken and you said Portuguese in one sentence, I was like, I'm going to sit here and watch this, yeah. <laughs> and so I sit here and dream about Nando's. And at the end, you had it on the barbecue and you're grilling it. I was just like, oh, oh man. <laughs> killing me, killing me. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I'm digressing, I'm digressing. Let's get on to you, yes. So tell me, tell me like how you got into music, kind of when it started and, and kind of what you're doing at the moment. Okay, so um, I got into music because of my, my dad. My dad was playing guitar on his bed and I must have been about five or six. And I walked into the room and he was singing a bunch of these covers like Bob Marley, Marvin Gaye, you know, and I was like, oh, and I started to listen to him and I started to sing along. And that's kind of how I started um, singing. Um, but what made me want to write was I remember watching um, MTV and all of these songs started to come up when I was, I must have been about 13, 14. I'd already put down a few poems here and there and stuff, but this hip hop culture that was animated, you know, I remember seeing a lot of like, like beautiful, you know, Snoop Dogg, Pharrell. I remember watching that back and going, ooh, who's this guy singing up there? Like, you know, all the other acts that, are, that you watch all had these, like, really calm tones, like, really, like, male vocal. And then you had this, beautiful, I just want you to know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this guy? This, this is so I I'm, like, taken by. And then he, it was just simple. Like, he had a white tee on in um, one of the videos. Um, with the Billionaire Boys Club then and a chain on that wasn't as extravagant as they are now but it had like the, the links the links chain with the, with the different colours and I was like oh man like okay cool and I started to follow Pharrell and then that Gwen Stefani episode we talking about I felt like oh he had decided to go in this commercial kind of like direction that was different from what he had started with. You know, he he was creating stuff that people were drawn to. 
he wasn't trying to fit in. He is just making what he's making. I felt there was that point where um, he was trying now to... What, do you remember, can I have it like that? You got it like that, can I... Yeah. yeah, that phase, I was like, that doesn't feel like Pharrell. It just felt... It felt very different to what I was... The energy I was feeling before. And then he kind of went silent on the music element in terms of his own production and putting himself out there. And then out of nowhere, we just had another episode where just all these other tunes started to pop up, you know, the Marilyn Monroe's, the Happy's, the just all of these great tunes. And I was like, wow. And that's why I said, like, he's inspired me because even if you look at the artwork, all the colors and, you know, I still want to change that into a clothing line at some point, you know, incorporate that type of print on everything. Um, I've got this, like, this is the, the logo for my brand. Um, I spent so much time just trying to understand where this creativity comes from and how to capitalize on it. So even now I'm, I'm releasing a track a week for this year. You know, I'm trying to do it for the whole year. And the whole point of that is just to push myself and venture and learn what where I'm comfortable and also showcase that I can actually like put out content that is good and, you know, it's quality and quantity. So, I mean, as I said, I'm inspired by people like Pharrell, um, Quincy Jones, you know, Jay-Z. It's like the culture. Um, but this from the singing elements, I'd never heard anyone do that in the hip-hop element, like, so, so, so clean. And that was now going back to, like, 2000, probably 99, 2000, 2001, where I was just like, okay, what is this? All the hard hitting kind of sampling the the eight oh eight that goom to doom to goom to like I started to go nuts. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, what is this music? Like I wanna make this. <laughs> and there was no computers at the time to go and produce, like there was no fruity loops. But I was like, what is this? <laughs> So yeah. So are you producing producing your own stuff as well? I'm producing some of it. I'm not even gonna lie. Like right now, I would love to be producing a lot of the stuff, but with the quantity and me searching to find the sound that I want to find for the next album, I'm kind of just collaborating with as many people as possible. You know, um, I might produce one or two tracks, maybe. So I'll produce. I think out of the fifty something tracks this year, I might produce ten you know but the rest i'm outsourcing as well and 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 working with different individuals you know different producers to also see what sounds i could expose myself to well there's certainly a lot of um of our listeners and people that i know from the you know our kind of pharrell nerd neptunes fan community who are producers as well so if anyone wants to reach out then do full free to get in touch with me and i can pass details along as well and try and make something happen so as you say you're um trying to put out a, a track a week for this year yeah. is that just kind of is are there other projects you're working on you know you mentioned the album as well is that working alongside that as well um so the album basically i've kind of i've, <laughs> I've called these my prolific years so the first album i kind of put out my debut album was in 2019 um and it was called prominent and from there i went on and put out in 2020 i put out two eps 
um, towards the end of the year. Um, one was called Learning Light and the other was um, called Sweet Boy. And what had happened is I had, I just have a bunch of music. I've been writing for so long and I was just like, I need to put all of this down. You know, a lot of people have a bunch of good songs in their heads or kind of just on their guitar and they'll play it once in a while. And I was like, no, I need to actually put these down, make them solid and put them out there. And that's what this is. So even in terms of the album, I know what sounds I want to have on the album. I already know I want to go more live instrumentation. So this like next few months or so, I'm just experimenting. I'm enjoying music. Like I'm building up to to that thing that I want to create and I'm finding the best way I can create it, you know. Even in terms of playing, I'm not I've never ever learned any instruments, you know. I play a bit of guitar. Um I do my scales on the piano. But in terms of production, whenever I've produced, I've brought in instrumentalists and played them the chord progression and then kind of directed them and been like, okay, I want you to play it this way. So this whole new thing of playing everything in yourself and programming things is new to me. So I, I needed a, a, a phase where I could challenge myself to come up with new sounds and new way of, of production. But for the next album, I want to go more live. I want drums. I want actual drums. You know, I might program some 808s over the, over the recordings, but I want it to feel like like I'm taking people back in time to a point where there was live music again, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm working on everything. <laughs> Sounds like it. Before all this, did you get a chance to do um, much live stuff with the, the first album you put out in the EPs? The first album we released in the 2019. Um, as we all know, 2020, it got, um, yeah, rusty really quickly. So I, I actually haven't even toured that album. Um, it's done, I think, about 200,000 streams, um, which is not amazing, but it's it's still quite like, okay, cool, 200,000 people kind of listen to this, which is a, a good feeling. Nothing to be stiffed at, for sure. <laughs> but um, I, I still am planning a full-on show. You know, I want to do a prolific show um, and tour that. But as they say, you don't make much um, from shows, so you need to be making money elsewhere you know, in order for you to tour. Um, your returns on a on a sold out international tour is like you it's like you're lucky to make twenty percent profit, you know. Um, and that's on a sold out tour. So what happens if it's not sold out? You see what I mean? So I I'm working the music and hoping that I could do smaller shows and build the right audience to then do one massive international tour hopefully in the next five years or so, where people are coming in for three hours to experience nearly a whole catalogue and a whole show. You know, it's got theatrical elements and stuff. So I've been working on the show for a few years now. Um, before that album, I had a few EPs out and a few singles, and I'd done a Southern African tour um, that, that kind of, it was me in my element making my way through Southern Africa, just trying to, showcase what my abilities are and you know trying to entertain people and that went well um in terms of we had a sold out show in namibia and a sold out show in um, botswana and a sold out show in zambia you know but zimbabwe my hometown that was like kind of like okay cool i need to look into this like people ain't really coming to the shows why and it was 
there was so much to the business side of it that made me look at shows and go, okay, I'm going to need to really like look at this from a new perspective and create a whole new show that is very different. There's some kind of like circus soleil or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it has to be different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it sounds like you're keeping busy and obviously this one of the, I think one of the, if we can take pluses from what's happening in the world at the moment is that obviously, you know, when we're trying to work on projects and stuff like that, you know, we now have that little bit more time to, you know, hunker down and focus on it and spend some real time on it, says the man that does one podcast every two months at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it gives, it's opening opportunities. Um, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, like you say, for yourself, giving you that chance to, you know, be a bit more creative, put stuff out regularly, start building that audience. And then hopefully, yeah, come the end of this year, once you've got that kind of, you know, catalogue of work behind you, onto even bigger, better things, producing, clothing line, all the merch, everything going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a, it's it's so hard to, 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 to talk to people about the ideas, you know, the vision. It's kind of like, and that's why when, when you said, oh, like this BBC thing, I was like, in Pharrell, I was like, this is right up my alley because I never had a blueprint. Where I'm from, there was very few people that kind of would have aspired to have their own clothing line. In fact, they must have been in the circle. I, I can't name anybody. Like now it's it's a common thing. But I was thinking about this when I was at home. I was cutting up stuff and trying to, you know, make my own clothing when I was like seven, eight years old. And now I find myself in a position where it's like, okay, all engines go. You can do this. But now you kind of go, oh, everyone can. <laughs> so how do you yeah. how do you how do you how do you basically make your yourself look different? How how what what is the difference? You know? And that has been the the thing is it's it's like, okay, cool. How am I contributing to the culture? What is it that I, 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 I want to give to the culture? Like, you know, it's not about me trying to just make money. That's not what it's about. It's about actually genuinely contribution, contributing to, the, to this new hip hop wave and people being able to go and say, yo, do you remember this? Yeah, this changed my life. Like this done this for me. Yo, that track, that track took me to this space, you know, like that's, that's what it's it's about. And right now is a good time for Africa because a lot of people are looking at Africa and going, what has Africa got to offer? Um, and as a people, because the internet has made the world smaller. Because before people just come ripped from Africa and then come and showcase it in the Western world and everyone's like, these guys are so creative. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like no, no. <laughs> it came from there. So that's why I'm like, okay, cool. I just have to keep chugging away, keep, you know, chipping away at small things and, and keep keep being inspired, you know, keep looking at people that are doing what you want to do and and understand, like, okay, this is where they're coming from and this is why they're doing it. And you'll get somewhere, you know. I believe, I believe that in 10 years' time, the conversation that we'll probably have on this podcast will be talking about a collaboration with Pharrell, you know, and, and BBC. And I'll be able to break bread and be like, yes, Stephen, remember when I told you that this is going to happen and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ah, I really like the new sneakers you guys have done. Even if you don't like them, you'll probably say that anyway, but Hey, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yes. 
And I'll buy a pair as well. <laughs> Put them in the closet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, with the hundreds of others. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was, I was having a similar conversation with a friend the other day, um, talking about the podcast and just you know, more kind of YouTube content that I want to do related to the podcast, but not doing it for the sake of doing it. And it's one of those kind of pros and cons that you mentioned. It's, you know, the the barrier to entry now is so much lower. You know, anyone can make a YouTube video or record a podcast, even Naomi Campbell. Um, but that means, yeah, if you are then going to do something, yeah, you've got to differentiate yourself. You've got to do something a little bit different. Obviously, you know, people like Naomi Campbell, for example, obviously already have a huge audience because of what they've done in the past. People like... Yeah, you know, me and, and yourself, you know, we have to kind of keep trying things to find those niches to see what works, but also what doesn't work. And you know, and look at that. And luckily I'm kind of, you know, as a day job, I'm an I'm an analyst. Um so I like to look at, you know, numbers. numbers. I like to look at why it performed, why it didn't perform, all the kind of varying factors and and you know, kind of disseminate that and look into it a bit more. But um, yeah, you've kind of really got to just keep you know pumping stuff out there and looking at it and working out exactly yeah what that what that niche is. But then once you find it, then you're off. And obviously, like you say, you know, if you're going to keep putting out you know tracks throughout the year and you know you say you want the album, working on the clothing and all that, one day it'll all kind of you know it'll click, it'll all come together, and you'll be away for sure. Man. And I'll be and then I'll be messaging you on Skype saying. Can I get a ticket to the show? I bought the I bought the sneakers. I got the hoodie. Can I just, can I can I just get a ticket to the show, please? Two tickets to the show. Not That's problem. All I need, two tickets. That's done. That and is done. And you'll and you'll be out here in Helsinki, mate, in the middle of January or February. Snow up to your knees. <laughs> doing your world tour. <laughs> Performing out there. Yep, yeah, definitely. And yeah, you'll be in front row, man. I'll listen. <laughs> I definitely, you, you've asked for the tickets, the tickets are yours, man. The second it happens, the tickets are yours. I will, there's no even argument there. I look forward to it. <laughs> and obviously, even if you weren't to grace our lovely shores of Finland, I'm back in the UK enough. And I'm sure in the coming months and years, you will obviously continue to grow with what you're doing. And our paths will cross, of course, going forward. And yeah, I definitely look forward to the day when I can come back home and come to London or wherever in the UK and meet up and come and see a show for sure obviously your show all right man let's wrap it up there because we've just gone over an hour perfect sort of timing let um let the people know where can everyone like you know find you get in contact with you all that kind of stuff yeah cool um people make sure you get at me on all the socials the name is jerome arab um j-e-r-o-m-e-a-r-a-b um pretty much on facebook it's at the at the african arab on um, twitter it's at the african arab on instagram it's at the great arab um in terms of music you can get my music on all the major platforms deezer youtube um title itunes spotify everywhere pretty much um yeah and i appreciate feedback so please drop comments on those youtube videos drop just let me know what you think drop likes share and yeah hopefully i get to perform for you guys one day um soon and um, one love I'm sure you will i'm sure you will um and i'll put all the links in the the show notes so people can um come and follow you and reach out to you um hopefully you know i can 
send your name to some people and send some names your way as well. You know, some producers out there I know that are always collabs as well people in our our little space that like our kind of sound yeah um that would be kind of great to to see but yeah in the meantime as i say everything's down in the show notes people um you can find me at steve r penny you can find the podcast at others podcast i always forget because i've done this in so long <laughs> others with a z and then you can stream and get all of the show notes and the merch and everything else over at the others.net or go to othersmerch.com, one or the other. We will wrap it up there for this week, is what I'm trying to say. I say this week, it could be this month, could be this decade, who knows with me. But hopefully I'll be back in a week or two, get this back to a regular kind of schedule. Um, and yeah, we'll leave it there and speak to you all soon. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cue me, dog.